Would you pray with me? Father, we do ask that you would send us your Holy Spirit this morning to speak your word of life to us, that it would transform our hearts and it would transform our lives in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, please be seated. Good morning. It's good to see you on this day. Um, Some of you may know this, but my wife Rachel and I love to travel. Uh, We love to explore and to go to places new and old. It is one of the great joys in our life. Even uh, even in these years, uh, these two years of COVID, fortunately, we've been able to do a little bit of traveling and to go on a few trips. Now, recently, I've been making some plans, holding them lightly as I can for making some trips in 2022. Uh, to places that some uh, to several places that we have never been before, and so I have been spending a lot of time on the internet researching where we want to go and how to get there. And as I've been making these plans, I've been reminded of how far we've come when it comes to getting to and going places. I mean, think about it for a minute. It used to be that we pulled out this very large piece of paper from the glove box of the car, and we guessed about approximately where we are and approximately where we wanted to go. And then we would figure it out direction by direction on our own. And then we would try to refold this document and put it back in the uh, glove box, only to find later that we just ended up crumpling it up and it's on the back seat of the car. Um, Then we went to something called MapQuest, where you prompted in your current current location and then your future destination, and it would tell you direction by point by point, turn by turn, how to get there, which was, of course, perfect if you never detoured off of that path and got lost. And then now, of course, we have this amazing device called our phone and things like Waze that tells us uh, how to get there two minutes faster than the other route, right? And convenient to me, this is not a means of confession, but convenient to me, it also tells you how to avoid speed traps. Um, I see some nods out there. I won't call you out, but it's not an unhelpful thing from time to time. All of this has reminded me of a story about a man who was leading other people in directions. His name, he was a mountain man back in the Montana Territory, and his name was Shorthorn Bill. And he became a noted guide throughout the territory. Now, sadly, this was the wild, wild west. The situation in Montana got a little too hot for him, uh, and he decided to go to a calmer locale. And so he moved to Denver, Colorado, and he began to work to do his trade, which was principally to lead wealthy Easterners around the region who came to Colorado. And on one such adventure, he had some railroad men out on the high plain And being that he was recently new to the area, he led them hopelessly astray. And after many days of travel, the party became belligerent in their blame. You told us that you were the best guide in Colorado. I am, replied Bill, but as best I can tell, we're in Wyoming now. (laughs) Bill neither knew where he was nor where he was going, right? And those who were with him, those who he was leading, were hopelessly lost. Have you ever felt that way, hopelessly lost? 
Now, some of you, if you have a Y chromosome and never driven a car, you will say, I've never been lost, right? I've never been lost. But let me just admit it for you, all you men out there, we get lost all the time and we need help finding where we're going. We need it when we're driving a car and we're traveling. We need it when we are making professional or educational decisions and deciding what to do and how to accomplish it. And I dare say that we feel this way spiritually. We can be lost. We can be stuck. We can be aimless. Even when we want to go places, even when we desire to go, we're uncertain about where to go and what to do. We need someone, all of us need someone who knows where they are and what they're doing and where they're going to guide us. And today's encounter with Jesus in the gospel will help us navigate the Christian life. It will help you navigate your spiritual journey. So this morning, we're picking up in our story of Jesus, God's story, his story. After Jesus' baptism, when he begins his ministry and calls his first disciples. Now, if you are a regular part of Holy Cross or you've been around for the last few years, you'll be very familiar with this passage because verse 17 is the foundation for our life as Jesus' disciples. And in verse 17, you can look in your bulletin, it should be on your screen as well. Jesus said to his disciples, he said to the fishermen, follow me and I will make you become fishers of men. And from this here at Holy Cross, we get the three F's of discipleship. We follow Jesus, we are formed by Jesus, and we seek to fulfill Jesus' mission in the world. Follow, form, and fulfill. For some of you, that's new. For others of you, you've heard it numerous times. Here's the thing. The Christian life, your life as a disciple, is only truly complete when all three of these things are at work in your life. And what I want you to notice this morning is quite simple. That the kingdom of God is all about movement. It is all about motion. When the kingdom of God, the good news of Jesus Christ, the gospel comes, it should lead you to new places. And this is absolutely essential to understand. Because if we truly want to live a full Christian life, if we want to live the life that God in creation intended for you and for me, then we need to grasp this. If we want to be invigorated day by day, excited about stepping out, and satisfied with our life in Jesus, then you need to let God move you. And here's the thing. We see this throughout this passage this morning, is that the gospel is about coming and going. It's about coming to Jesus and going out in mission. The Christian life always includes coming and going. What do I mean? Well, as we look at Mark chapter 1, you'll see this. First, the kingdom comes. Verse 15, after Jesus' baptism, he comes into Galilee and proclaims that the time is fulfilled, the kingdom of God is at hand. To say that the kingdom of God is at hand really means this, that the kingdom has approached 
The kingdom has come. It is in proximity. It has moved from the place that it was before and has come very present to these men who are in their boats. The kingdom comes into the world. The very thing that the Israelites have been waiting for for, a, for hundreds of years the thing that creation has been groaning for since the fall, the reality you've longed for in your life, perhaps you're longing for it today. The kingdom of God, the grace of God, the mercy of God, the love of God was coming to them. And in Christ, the thing we need most, which is his kingdom, which is his life, come near, comes near to you. The kingdom comes. Now you may feel like you are a country mile away from Jesus right now. But here's the thing. Is that he comes, he came then, he brought the kingdom, and he comes today and he will bring the kingdom to you. The second thing I want you to notice is this very point. That Jesus comes and he goes. He is on the move. He's not stationary. He's not standing still. And we see this several times in the verses that we're here, that we read today. Verse 12, the Spirit of God sends Jesus into the wilderness. Now I include this, because it's not exactly coming, it's about moving, right? It's that Jesus has moved out into the wilderness. I include this this morning because I want you to hear this. From the very beginning of his ministry, after his baptism, Jesus immediately is doing battle with the evil forces in the world. He goes out to the wilderness to battle Satan. And of course, that battle he will ultimately win when he dies on the cross for our sins in our place. He goes into the grave where we deserve, and he rises again to new life, overcoming death. See, Jesus moves. Then verse 14, Jesus comes into Galilee, and he says the kingdom is at hand, and he calls them to repent and believe. Verse 16, Jesus is passing by the fishermen when he calls out to them, follow me. Movement is the foundation of verse 17, which we've already read. Jesus is coming and he is going. And when he says, follow me, here's what he's saying. Look, hey guys, I'm going places. I'm moving and I want you to be with me. I want you to go where I'm going. I want you to do what I'm doing. And so he says, follow me. Jesus comes into the life of everyone. If you've come to faith in Jesus, he has come to you. If you're thinking about trusting Jesus for your life, he is coming to you now. If you would like him to come to you, he will. He will continue to come and go and bring life to all of us. He is on the move. Jesus comes into all of our lives. He brings life to every one of us who will repent and believe the good news. He comes and he goes, and he invites all of you to go with him. The Christian life is always about coming and going. And then finally notice this, that we too come and go. Verse 17, when Jesus calls the fishermen, the little, literal translation of the Greek is, come after me. At the heart of the Christian, Christian life is coming and going. We respond to the kingdom by pursuing Jesus, by coming after him. 
Friends, if you will come after him, if you will follow him, the promise is he the promise is he will make you into the women and men he desires. So if you feel lost, if you feel stuck, if you feel aimless, come after Jesus, move with him. You don't have to have your stuff together. Praise God you don't have to have your stuff together. I mean, just look at the story, right? These guys are in there mending their nets. Their nets aren't even together, right? You don't have to have your stuff together to come to Jesus. In fact, while we were yet sinners, Christ Jesus died for us. While we were still doing the bad things and the naughty things and the hurtful things and the unholy things, Jesus Christ dies on the cross for us. You can come after him and find him. But what you do have to be willing to do is to come after him. He's not going to force you. He's not going to compel you. He is going to invite you. He comes into your life. Perhaps he is coming to you in a particular way this morning and says, come after me, follow me, go with me. The kingdom is about coming and going. Jesus commands two things of us. He says, love God, the commandments, right? The great commandment. The second is love God and love our neighbors. But we have this first command to come after him. He invites us to come after him. It's a command. It's a a, a call. And the second command is we are to go. We are to come after him and go out in mission. We're to go home and love our friends and our neighbors and share with them good news. We're to love them and meet them in their need and wants and hungers and provide for them. We are to go and make disciples of every nation. Kingdom is about coming to Jesus and going out in mission. We are to come and go, to come to Jesus for salvation, for refreshment, for instruction, for direction, for the power of his Holy Spirit, and then we are to go out to love the world as his ambassadors. The way that Jesus continues to go today from place to place calling new people is through you. Here's the thing. While we are really good at coming to him, we aren't always really good at going out with him. We let Jesus move our hearts and our spirit and pieces of our life, but we don't go out in mission all that often. Some of you do, some of you have, some of you will. Hopefully all of you will. But we're really good at coming to him, coming to him when we have a moral or ethical struggle because he's a good teacher. We come to him when we have a decision to make because he promises the Holy Spirit will guide us. We come to him when we're filthy in our sin because we know he promises to wash us clean. We come to him when we have a death scare, when we have cancer, when we have a family member who is in uh, difficult health reasons. Why we come to him at that time? Because he promises us eternal life. All of those are good. I don't want to discourage you from coming to Jesus in those moments. It is the right thing to do. But when we come to Jesus for these things, and you don't go from Jesus to your family and to the world to actually become fishers of men, you actually cheat yourself out of the full joy of the kingdom. 
the reality that we get to be a part of this amazing love in the world. I mean, just think about the transition that happens in our Christian life. When we were all about ourselves, when we were stuck in our sin, that we were wreaking havoc and damage upon people and all those that we love and all those who we're around, and we come to Jesus and we find forgiveness and we find restoration and we find the power of the Holy Spirit, and then all of a sudden the thing that we get to do, the thing that we can do because he's in us, is to go out to other people and create life where we once destroyed life by our sin, life in us particularly, but also in the life of others, we get to now build up life in the world. And if we are not going with him regularly to the world in love, we miss the full joy of his kingdom. To experience the fullness of of Jesus' love, his peace, and his joy personally, we must express that love for the world to actually let him make us fishers of men, to fulfill that second, great command, the second greatest commandment, to love our neighbors as ourselves. Uh, there was an author named Elizabeth Gouge. She wrote a children's book. She wrote a number of books, but a famous children's book called The Little White Horse. Now, if you don't know that book, you know the book that that influenced, which is Harry Potter. You know Harry Potter, right? So she wrote a children's book that influenced J.K. Rowling's writing of Harry Potter. And she was a Christian, and she captured well the implication of coming to Jesus in faith. She wrote in her autobiography, If we go home... Like the prodigal son, we must go out again as the good Samaritan. As prodigals, if you know the story, if you don't, I'll tell you briefly. Uh, The prodigal son uh, returns home, he goes home, he comes to his father, who then lavishes his love upon his son, even though his son squandered all the father's possessions, even though the son... uh, 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 just wasted everything with reckless living. He lavishes his love on his son. He reinstates him as his beloved child, and he celebrates his return. That's what happens to you and me when we come to God the Father. No matter what we've done, no matter what we've wasted, no matter what damage we've done, the Father, God the Father, through his son, lavishes his love upon you. He wants to lavish his love upon you. But Elizabeth Gouge makes this comment that if we come, go home to the father like a prodigal son, we must also go out like the Good Samaritan. And Jesus tells the story of the Good Samaritan to illustrate how love works in the kingdom of God. That selfless service to those in need, no matter the circumstances, is the mark of of the Christian disciple. John will say, uh, he'll record Jesus' words that they'll know we're Christians by our love, right? If you come after Jesus, you hear from him, you learn from him, imitate him, he will not lead you astray. From the outset, he's demonstrated to his disciples that the kingdom life, life with Jesus is about coming and going. And I wonder this morning, this week, will you let God move you? Will you let him move you after you've come to him this morning, after you've found his grace for you and his mercy? 
you come to him, will you let him move you and go out to someone with his love? I know in this time of COVID, it's a little difficult, but he's got somewhere and someone for you to go to this week. It's not a complicated ask. Here's what I want you to do today. So I want you to go home, you know, say, thank you, Lord. Thank you, Father, that you have sent your son into the world to redeem me, to provide new life for me. Would you please show me one person this week that I can go to with your love? Pray and ask God to show you. Decide on that person. Decide what you will do. Now, here's the warning. Don't go to try to love everybody in one week, all right? Don't go try to love the world. It's just, in in our house, we say it's too much. It's too much for you to do. You'll never do it. To paraphrase the famous Anglican bishop and missiologist Stephen Neal, if everyone is your mission, then no one is your mission. So pick somebody. Here are some examples. Are you ready? At home, I will, with God's help, pray with my spouse once this week. If you are a kid, I will tell my parents thank you one time this week. If you have a roommate, I will serve them by doing X. Maybe it's the dishes, maybe it's take out the trash, something that uh, you don't want to do and they don't want to do, so you can do it, right? Or perhaps in your neighborhood, I will love that one person. But don't start there. I will love that person this way. I find that one of the ones that I... I struggle with is like, I'm doing some tasks in the yard, I'm doing my chores, and my neighbor comes up and wants to talk. I will spend time with them to express their importance, the value of their life. That's one way. Or at school, I will be nice to that substitute substitute teacher, or my personal favorite, because it really hits home when I'm on the phone. I will not be a jerk to the customer service person on the phone. I have to say that literally every time before I make a phone call. Don't be a jerk. I don't know what it is. I don't know why it is. But when I'm on the phone, it is so easy to do that. Only with customer service people. So call me when you need me. Um, (laughs) Pick one person. Pick one thing. And go out and love them. Go to them physically if you can and treat them well. Show them love. Now, eventually, you might tell them about Jesus, but in the meantime, you will show them about his love. You will show his love for him. And then third, ask what's next. It won't always be fruitful at first. You fishermen know this, right? It's called fishing, not what? Catching, for a reason. At first, they may ignore you, they may be disinterested, but if you continue to love them and repeatedly love them, it will make a difference in the world. Jesus will come to them, and some of them, by God's grace, will come to Jesus. So my challenge to you is let's go together to the world, one person, one time this week. I want to close with this prayer. It's the prayer for mission from our prayer book that we say uh, in the morning prayer service, if you've ever done that in Anglicanism. Let's pray together. Lord Jesus Christ, You stretched out your arms of love on the hardwood of the cross that everyone might come within the reach of your saving embrace. So clothe us in your spirit that we, reaching forth our hands in love, may bring those who do not know you to the knowledge and love of you for the honor of your name. Amen.